Welcome to the Salt Church Podcast. We're a church that meets in the heart of Wollongong. Come and visit us on Sundays, 10am and 5pm at 275 Kira Street. We'd love to meet you. Thanks, Keris, and good morning again. Great to be opening up the Bible with you. So I have opened 1 Corinthians 15, the end of that chapter. I'm going to pray for us now as we um, ask for God's help to hear his voice. Let's do that. Father God, thank you that you are a God who speaks. Uh, Help us now to listen to your voice in the scriptures, uh, to let the light of the scripture shine in our own hearts, uh, reveal the darkness. Help us to turn to you and love you again, or maybe love you for the first time. Uh, Help us to realise the greatness of Jesus and what he has done for us at the cross and his resurrection. Open our hearts to eternal things uh, that would change our lives dramatically. Uh, We ask, Lord, that you do this work by your spirit. uh, In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you about motivation this morning. Uh, What motivates you? Uh, How do you go with motivation? What is it that gets you out of bed in the morning? What really drives you to do the things that you do? Um, motivation is, is really, really important, isn't it? Um, have you ever been to a motivational speaker? Um, has anyone ever been to one of these guys? You, you have to, the, the ticket price, I've noticed, is, is huge. You've got to have very white teeth. Um, you've got to be very good looking. You've got to have the right uh, lighting. Uh, they're paid big money to inspire people, to give informative speeches, uh, businesses get them to come along, schools, resorts, how will I achieve success, this is the guy that will help me do it. For your personal life, how are you going to move forward, how are you going to break those, through those barriers of hurt and pain from the past, how will you get success in life generally, people pay big money for motivational speakers. I've had friends who, who've gone, uh, one of my friends said that at the end of the night, it was, it was really late into the night. It was then, after they got out of the stadium, 1am in the morning, and they were told to ring certain people that they needed to apologise to or sort out business with. And so all their friends got this phone call at 1am in the morning, and that was the start of the journey for this person, making great breakthroughs. I've got to be honest with you, um, it looks like a lot of hype to me. It really does. It really looks like it's dependent upon good lighting, uh, late nights, long shows, lots of money, good looks. It feels like emotionalism at its worst. I think it's uh, manipulating people. It feels a little bit like a sugar hit to get you through, I don't know how long, but not very long. And it's not that motivation is wrong, is it? We need motivation in life, massively so. God motivates us. The Bible motivates us, but he does it in a very different way. He does it with real and deep substance. He does it by getting us to confront reality and truth. He He gets us to face eternal things. He promises us his help. And so I want you to pay attention to a very powerful motivation piece in the Bible this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Because it's one that if you take heed to this, 
If you're serious about taking heed to this, it will transform your life. Now, if you've been with us in our series, we've been going through 1 Corinthians 15, working our way across the last three weeks. Uh, We've arrived at the last verse of this chapter. It's verse 58. Uh, So do have that in front of you. Uh, Look at that verse, verse 58, 1 Corinthians 15, or look at it with someone next to you. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, here is the why of the whole chapter. Given everything I've said to you so far, brothers and sisters, now stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Can you hear what he's saying? This morning, he's calling us, give yourself to a work. Uh, Be a certain kind of person. Commit yourself to a certain way, an orientation. Uh, It's not just about believing something, is it? It's not just about head knowledge. It's actually the head knowledge that will move to your heart, your will, your emotions, uh, that will change your pursuits in life, actually will change everything in life that you're on about. Give yourself fully, therefore, to the work of the Lord. Now, what I want to do this morning is I want to discuss that phrase with you. What is the work of the Lord? We're going to, we're going to dig deeper on that phrase. What, what, what's that all about? How do we do that? Then I want to talk to you about the motivation that Paul gives throughout this whole chapter. The why. Why would you give yourself fully to the work of the Lord? And then I want to finish with some implications for us. Now, firstly, uh, the work of the Lord, there's been, um, I don't know whether you're aware of this, uh, there's been loads and loads of discussion in the Christian community of recent times, uh, in the last couple of decades, I think, uh, on what does that mean? What are we talking about when we talk about the work of the Lord? It's one of those funny ones where for centuries we've held, we've had a certain belief, the Christian mainstream Christian community said, this is what it is, doesn't seem complicated. Our small group this week, worked it out straight away, that that's, looks like what, what it is. But the last couple of decades, it's come to mean for many something different. It's actually come to mean anything a Christian does in service to Jesus, in devotion to Jesus. Um, so it, being a godly tradesman at work, uh, serving Jesus as a manager, uh, working as a teacher, being the best possible soccer coach you can be for Jesus. But that's, that's not the way Paul's using it. And it does raise the question, how is Paul using this phrase? But even more than that, how would you know? And it's all about context, isn't it? That's how we read the Bible. That's how we read any text. Flick over to chapter 16. You don't need to go very far. Verse 10. And you see Paul uses the phrase again. When Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you. For he's carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. Um, so there's something that, Paul, uh, that Timothy's doing, there's something the Apostle Paul's doing, it's the work of the Lord. Uh, up in verse 8 of chapter 16, it's, the word work is used again, but I'll stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost, because a great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose it. Paul considers what he's doing, work, And then down in verse 15, you know that the household of Stephanus were the first converts in Acacia and they devoted themselves to the service of the Lord's people. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to submit to such people, to everyone who joins in the work 
and labours at it, the service of the Lord's people. Uh, It's back in chapter 9 too, you don't need to flick there, but Paul says, are you, Corinthian church, not the result of my work in the Lord? You go back to chapter 3, Paul says, we're actually co-workers with you uh, in the work of the Lord, in God's building. What is the work of the Lord? Well, to the Apostle Paul, it's gospel work. It's the making of disciples. It's the building, nurturing, growing of God's church, God's precious church. Which raises the question, doesn't it? What about my work as a teacher? What about my work as a soccer coach? And it's worth just, uh, this is why I'm, I'm really keen to dig a little bit deeper here, to paint a bit of a sketch of work uh, for us and the different kinds of work. So come on this journey with me. Two kinds of work in the Bible, uh, and you see this in several places. You might uh, want to go to John chapter 5, where God is a worker, that that phrase is used of God. He, he is at work to this very day, the Father and the Son together. But two kinds of work throughout the Bible. One is a creating, sustaining kind of work that God does. Uh, that's, that's one big picture. And then there is his saving work. Um, the work he has done in Christ particularly uh, to save people from, from, this, from sin and judgment, to build his church by his spirit. Uh, there's that kind of work. And I take it made in the image of God there is two kinds of work for us as well. There is that creating, sustaining, uh, preserving kind of work uh, that encompasses lots and lots of things. And then there is a particular kind of work that is called disciples of Jesus to be committed to, the saving work of God. We're, we're co-workers with God in that as well. Uh, so we look after the world, enjoy the world, uh, and we are also joined with Christ to this beautiful work of growing God's church. Both have a place, don't they? Both uh, are important to God. But Paul's focus here is the work of the Lord, the the building of disciples uh, and our part in that saving work. But it is worth saying our work in sustaining and preserving that bigger work, that larger sphere, has its own significance and importance. So let me just take you to Colossians chapter 3 just in case you're in any doubt on this. Colossians chapter 3, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know that you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. That's an incredible verse, isn't it? Uh, it it's a different phrase. It's work, not work, the work of the Lord. It's working for the Lord or working before the Lord. Um, Meaning that as, our, as, our, as disciples of Jesus, our work is good. In fact, our work is part of our worship. Romans chapter 12, in all of life, all of it, is a, you're a living sacrifice. Your work is part of that as well. Uh, as you live to please your heavenly Father, uh, who you are to work to. And surely that is a radical, radically different way of thinking about work, isn't it? That must radically change even the most boring job, even the most menial tasks, even the jobs that people think, that's not important. I can't, the, the, the job where you're, you don't want to say that at the party, that you do that. But you're working for the Lord. 
That's your orientation, isn't it? Um, you know, Paul's actually writing to slaves when he says this. He writes to masters as well, but he's, you know, there's the slave who may not think they're important. They're, they're working for a heavenly master. No, no, you're actually working for the master, your master, the Lord Jesus. Keep your eyes set there. Um, the great Martin Luther King, uh, civil rights movement, 1950s and 60s. Uh, listen to this quote. He says, If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted or Beethoven composed music or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so, that, so well that all the hosts of heaven and earth will pause to say, Here lived a great sweet street sweeper who did his job well. There's something really magnificent about that and profound about that. And um, with all due respect to Martin Luther King, it's, it's almost right, I think, if I can be bold in saying this. Uh, it lifts work enormously, doesn't it? Your work matters. You're part of living in God's world. You're, li- you're doing it for him. Um, but I reckon the orientation is wrong. It's not so that we might receive the praise for our work from others... It's not so they might think we're fantastic. It's us pleasing our Heavenly Father. Uh, It's us living with our knowledge that he is the one watching us, Uh, not not the praise of other people. Uh, We're doing it to love and worship him, not the praise of people. Uh, And so that's just profound, isn't it? You to say to yourself as you walk into work, as you're doing the chores at home, I'm doing this to please my heavenly father who loves me, who cares for me. He's the one who's watching. He's the one who cares. He's the, he's, there's the praise that really matters. I live for him. I told you two weeks ago that last week I went on a lead pastor's training course in Brisbane, part of Reach Australia, which was just fantastic. It was really, really helpful. A number of people asked me if I actually stepped onto the plane to get up there, and I did. Um, but it was a great time, uh, but it's really interesting. On the flight up there, um, I was sitting on the window seat. There was two people next to me. The lady comes around, um, what would you like for the, for the meal? Um, I decide I'm going to have a snack. I'm going to have these wraps. I pull out my phone to pay, and she says, you can't use... Isn't it convenient? You've got the cards on your phone. You, you can't use them in flight. You need a real card. My card is up in the, in the lockers, in my bag. Um, she says, don't worry about it. Um, let me give you the meal. But she looks at me and says, at the end of this flight, you need to go and pay for that meal. Um, and she looks at me as if my job's at stake here, right? You need to pay for it. Um, so what am I thinking? I'm thinking, I've just got lunch for free. <laughs> I'm thinking, what, el- what else is on the menu? Uh, but then I'm thinking, okay, at the end of this flight, I've got to I'll, I'll let everyone else get out of the plane. I walked down the front. I came to the, the steward um, and I said, look, I just need to pay for this meal. And she looked at me as if we've never had this situation before. <laughs> what, how could this possibly be? Uh, and then you, you just, it's just that realisation. I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm not tr- don't think that I'm great. This is for the Lord. I live for the Lord. Uh, she said, don't worry about it. Uh, it's great. great you had lunch. Um, keep flying with Virgin. Um, uh, there's a free advertisement. 
But it's, it's living with that eye to God, isn't it? Your heavenly father. It doesn't matter what other people think. It doesn't what they say or what they think about your work. It's all work for the Lord before the Lord. And can I say too, don't measure your work by how important the world says it is. That's such a danger, isn't it? It's significant because you're living, preserving, sustaining God's world. And it's not, it's, it's the God who's your heavenly father who you're working for. It's incredibly important, incredibly significant. And so I reckon it just gives every job dignity and significance. Our work is valuable because you're a child doing it before him, your heavenly father in his world. I don't know whether you remember this TV series called Back in Time. Do you guys remember it? Annabelle Crabb? This is not going to work so well then. No one remembers it. Um, Fantastic series. They take you through each decade in Australian history. And what was life like in the 50s? What was life like in the 60s, 70s, 80s, all the way through? And they, they redecorate the house. Here's the food they had. Here's the kind of jobs they had. This is what family life was like. It's, it's really worth watching. Um, but, and Annabelle Crabbe does a, does a great job. But there's, there's this fascinating and sometimes hilarious undercurrent of feminism through this series. Um, so one of the social, cultural comments they're making in this series is... Uh, women and work through the 50s to the current day. And there's that obvious movement, isn't there, of the movement of women and particularly wives with children moving from homemakers, predominantly, uh, to careers and work outside the home. Uh, It's really interesting too, something else I've been thinking about this week is just the word work. Have you noticed how that word has, has so many imports from worldly thinking, not biblical thinking? Um, if someone says to you, do you work, they mean, do you work outside the house in a paid job? Which instantly says that your work at home, is that not work? It is work, isn't it? Um, so just got to be careful with our language. It's, it's work because it's work. Uh, it, your work as a homemaker is work. Raising children is work. Cooking dinner is work. Studying for degree is work, or, or at least it should be. Um, you don't have to be paid for work. You can do volunteer work. It's, it's work. That's what God's talking about. But anyway, in the show, it got to the 80s or 90s. The wife has now become an executive of a company. Uh, and they show her coming home from work um, with the sun on her face just at the right time as the kids come into the front gate. Um, I thought that was a little bit unrealistic. I don't know how many executives come home at that time in the 80s or 90s. Uh, maybe they do now because they can work from home. But um, it was just kind of idealised. But when she came to dinner that night, she's preparing the meal for the family and she's doing it with her husband. Uh, And she gets to the point where she's about to cut up a chicken for the family. And it's very obvious that she considers it demeaning to do this work. Uh, She doesn't know how to do it. She thinks, it's kind of, I I don't know whether I should be doing this. Uh, What an awful job to have to do to cut up a chicken. Uh, And I thought, isn't that an interesting view of work? What have we just been taught? The work at the company is the valuable work, is the good work. The work to come home and cut up a chicken for your family, that's not worth doing. That's not valuable. Um, And this this part of the Bible radically transforms it, doesn't it? You're cutting the chicken up because it's, it's before your Heavenly Father. It's for your Heavenly Father. It's for your family, but it's ultimately to please the Lord.
And so whatever you're doing, buying the groceries, do it for the Lord. Mowing the lawn, do it for the Lord. I really need to mow the lawn for the Lord because uh, I find that just painful. There are other jobs at home I find painful for the Lord, for his glory. And then, so that's the work of preserving, sustaining God's world. Do it unto the Lord. And then there's another kind of work if you're a disciple of Jesus. Uh, the work of the Lord, the work of actually proclaiming the good news of Jesus, nurturing people in faith, encouraging one another in, uh, to put our trust in Jesus, building his church, growing, nurturing disciples, the work of the Lord. And that's the work that Paul's referring to here in 1 Corinthians 15. And Paul's really concerned that it, have, it has a solid, solid foundation. Don't forget that foundation. Um, back in chapters 1 to 3. It's the work that you'll need to use, identify and use your gifts uh, that God's given you to, to contribute to this work in, in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 14. It's the work that must be driven by love or it's useless, 1 Corinthians 13. But give yourself to this work because it's not in vain. It's not in vain. So... The patient you heal will die. The street that you're sweeping will eventually get dirty again. The meal you cook gets eaten. The lawn grows again. You know what it's like. That's, that's the world we live in. But here is a work that is eternal. Here is a work that lives on. Here is a work that you are to give yourself fully to. Uh, brothers and sisters, he says, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. Because you know that your work in the Lord, your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Notice he says, brothers and sisters. He's actually talking to the whole Corinthian church at this point. Uh, yes, there are the, the Timothys and the Apostle Pauls who have their role as leaders. But actually all of us are involved in this work of the Lord. We're all to devote ourselves to this work. It's not just for the paid pastoral staff. It's for all of us. And you know what I really love about salt? You know what I'm really convicted about? All of us taking our part in this great work of the Lord. It's such a beautiful picture when you see we're all different, we're all being made differently, we've all been given gifts of different kinds. It's the 1 Corinthians 12 to 14, isn't it? In love, use them to edify the church. What's the opportunity that God's given you? What's the gift that God's given you? Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. It's just so, so good to see. Well, what will motivate you to keep going in this work? Well, there is something massive that will keep you motivated in this work. There is something groundbreaking. There is something that will change all of life for you if you get it. It's the rest of the chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. It's, it's just in the, in the couple of verses before. He said, therefore, what's, what's just before that? Verse 56, read it with me. The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus. See, because of this, because sin and death are so awful, because the judgment is so awful, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because Jesus has won the victory. There is a solution. I mean, death is bad enough, isn't it? But here Paul says, remember, there is a, there is a sting to death. There is an awful, awful sting to death. It's before the law, my sin is revealed. I stand be condemned before God. 
without Jesus. This is, this is what the Bible says is a second death. It's awful to be shut out from the presence of God, to be in the darkness alone. Where is God? For there be a place where there is no longer any mercy from God. How awful. It's what Jesus warned us about, wasn't it? Do not fear the one who can kill the body, but fear the one who can throw you into hell. That's the sting of death. How awful. You know, I actually received a letter this week uh, that came to Salt Church, and I need to find it. Um, It was an anonymous letter written to the pastor of the church. Um, And it'd be really good to find it. (laughs) Uh, Here it is. I don't often read these out, and I won't read your letter out if you write me a letter. But this is, um, wasn't personal. It just says, Dear Pastor, I'm writing to you and other pastors about something the Lord has placed on my heart. Every so often I write to random pastors. So it's, it's not very personal. I'm just a random pastor. <laughs> it came to my attention that it's been many years since I've heard any pastor preach on hell. Uh, when the, with the times we now live in, do people believe there is even a hell? I believe many do not. They think that no loving God would send anyone there. The truth is, people send themselves there. Please enlighten your congregation if you have not in the last 12 months. We must steer away from what Jesus... We must not steer away from what Jesus spoke about many times. And the Bible just keeps raising it, doesn't it? Just to let you be aware there is a judgment to come. But much, much bigger than that, and so we'll keep talking about it as the Bible keeps talking about it, But much, much bigger than that is the victory that Jesus has won. Much bigger than that is the good news that you can be forgiven, that no one needs to face the condemnation from God any longer. That's worth talking about. That's the end of the story, isn't it? The good news of Jesus, the gospel. It's why they call it good news. Don't forget that. It's where Paul started the chapter, verse 2, by this gospel you are saved if you hold firmly to it. And so don't forget this, stand on this gospel, teach this gospel, remind one another of this gospel, share this gospel. Christ died for sins. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. Death has been defeated. Sin has been dealt with. Those who put their trust in him can now be forgiven and now have eternal life, resurrected bodily life with him. It's not a myth. It's not a legend. Uh, Paul goes to great lengths, doesn't he, beginning of the chapter, to say, here is the historical facts. Jesus appeared to many witnesses. His bodily resurrection was, was real. There he is, appearing in many times in, in various places. And so this is what matters more than anything else. Give, therefore, give yourself fully to this work. This is the stuff of eternity. Without Jesus' death, there is no forgiveness of sins. Without his resurrection... We are to be pitied. Our faith is futile. It makes no sense, Paul says, to to make sacrifices for the gospel. You might as well, he says halfway through the chapter, eat and drink for tomorrow we die. It is of that much importance. But if it's true, then give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. There could be nothing more important. But more than that, he says, you're actually, do you realize there's a whole new reality that's coming? You realise, we saw it last week, didn't we? Because Jesus has been raised, you will be raised with a new spiritual, resurrected, real body. And so if you think think the human body is magnificent, 
If you think it's, it's full of splendour, yes it is, but that is nothing compared to what is coming. That is, that is the seed, here is coming the tree with all its flourishing beauty. This is the reality. Can you imagine it? Picture that, understand that, focus on that because that is the motivation to give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. When everything's done, when everything's finished on that last day, it will be worth it. And so verse 58, therefore give yourself fully. Stand firm, let nothing move you. Give yourself fully to the work of the Lord. What Christ has opened up is massive, so significant. This life is not all there is. There is, there is a life to come. Stand firm. It tells you what life's really about, doesn't it? It's not about amassing the most number of toys. It's not about um, pleasure. Uh, it's God's world to sustain, to preserve, to enjoy. But it's, but it's God's church to be built and eternity to live for. And so let nothing move you from this. Fight the, uh, the drift that will inevitably happen. Stay firm, stay focused. It will take effort. Notice the, Paul uses the word work and labour. I think that's really intentional. Work and labour. What does it tell you? That serving Jesus, making disciples, nurturing, growing his church will be hard work. It's a labour. It's a work, but it's worth it. Um, there was an article that was put up on the 10am Facebook page, which I thought was just fantastic talking about have you noticed how hard it is to be a disciple of jesus have you noticed if you've got children so matt and Krista are experiencing this as they think about charlie how hard it is to raise your kids to love and serve jesus it's super tricky when your kids are, are young and you've got to get them uh, out of the house so keris got five kids somehow out of the house this morning with the help of others um, but it doesn't get easier when you get when the kids get older and what does this article say? So Cameron Cole says, I've got one piece of advice for you. I've got one thing for you to commit to. Um, you've got all the resources at your fingertips, devotionals, catechisms, guides for family worship. Um, they are all great. And I want to encourage you in all of that. But this is what he says. Hear me when I say this. Start by going to church. It's really, it's really timely, isn't it? As we've been thinking over the last year, gee, it's been tough in and out of church, lockdowns, getting in, into new habits, um, trying to get rid of old habits. Um, he says, give yourself fully to the work of the Lord by coming to church. There's, there's where you're to begin. Uh, it's really worth reading because he talks into what you do, the sacrifices you make to get to church as you show your kids and show one another how, how hard that can be, that's actually a model for all of the Christian life. Because all of the Christian life, every choice you make, every time you say no to sin and say yes to Jesus, is hard. It takes intentionality. It takes work. And coming to church is just one of those things. And so keep doing it. Well, let me finish. There's, there's a work here for us to give ourselves to. We're to be a worker, uh, in the building of God's church. And notice, uh, we, we've seen this morning, it, it is what you believe, but it's also something that you do, that you commit yourself to, to be part of this work. It is worth it. So every time, every time you ask someone about their maturity in Christ, that's the work of 
the work of the Lord. Every time you, you pray for someone or pray with someone, that's the work of the Lord. When you come to church and you serve others so that others can hear the word of God, so that kids, salt kids can happen or youth can happen, when you, when you take the risk of inviting someone to church, when you take the risk, as, as uh, many have done in the last few weeks, to invite someone to life or a connect event, that's the work of the Lord. When you share Jesus, uh, when, you, when you pick yourself up from a really hard day's work and turn up to small group, that's the work of the Lord. Uh, when you bundle your kids in the car to go to church on Sunday morning, uh, when you see a friend who is drifting and you reach out to help them, when you read the Bible with your kids at the dinner table and it's absolute chaos, that's the work of the Lord. When you set disciplines for yourself to read the Bible and pray, when you send your kids off to salt kids or salt youth, you're actually investing in eternal life. When you say no to sin, when you give your money away for the cause of the work of the gospel, it's all the work of the Lord. It's all not in vain. It's all worth it. It's all what we are to give ourselves fully to. Let me, let me say it one more time and I'll pray. Paul says, therefore, my dear friends, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labour in the Lord is not in vain. Let's pray. Our great Heavenly Father, thanks in your kindness you've reminded us of the great things this morning, of the things that truly matter. Father, thank you for placing us in your good world, your orderly world, to preserve and care for it, to, to be part of your uh, created order in all its goodness, to enjoy that. But thank you that you've called us to another work too, uh, the work of the Lord, uh, your saving work, your, the building of your church, the making of disciples. Father, help us to stand firm on the good news, the resurrection of Jesus. Help us never to move from the gospel, this good news, that if we hold firmly to it, we will be saved and many others. Our Lord, please help us as we give ourselves fully to this work. Amen.